Last week, we began what, I'm, what I call a very short series with a long title. The full title to the series we're doing is Understanding God's Redemptive Purposes During National Distress. And tonight, we're going to be speaking about when things go from bad to worse. Now, I need to give us ourselves a running start by considering where we were last week in this study. You'll recall that we looked at a guy by the name of Jacob, and uh, he w was a guy who had 12 sons, and Joseph, coat of many colors, you know the story. But there came a point in Jacob's life when he thought he had lost two sons, and a third one was going to be taken from him in the midst of a famine. And the statement that he made was, all these things are against me. And as it turned out, nothing was against him. As it turned out, he was perfectly in the center, the will of God. And God was, as Joseph would ultimately say, preserving life through Joseph being sold into slavery in Egypt. And that was to fulfill a promise to Abraham that they would indeed be a, a people in, 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 a, uh, uh, in a foreign country. We noted with that that Christ also gave us a promise. Just as Abraham received a promise, we have a promise that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's redemptive work is continuing on, regardless of what we see around us. So we now jump forward. We looked at the end of the book of Genesis last week. Now we begin with the book of Exodus. And when you make this jump from the last verse to the first verse, you're traversing immediately, approximately a little over 300 years. But the whole event that's going to take place actually is going to play itself out to, uh, to 400 years. Uh, in fact, uh, Exodus 12 will say 430 in terms of how long they were in the land of Egypt. But God, as we will see, birthed a nation to fulfill his promise to Abraham. First, he was preserving life when Joseph went down into Egypt. Now, when they come out, he's birthing a nation. All of this in promise to what he told Abraham. Now, in this birthing process, there are very real things God wanted his people to understand. He was going to use the very process to impact their lives. Now, you know the story. You're aware of it that uh, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and the people of God were so blessed by God's hand upon them, so numerous in Egypt, that this new Pharaoh who arose a few centuries later, he's kind of like, you know what, if these guys become, uh, or if we get attacked and they decide to side with their enemies, we've got a large army within our nation that could turn against us and defeat us. So his answer to that was to begin to enslave them, to have them kill all the young boys so that these young boys could not, the baby boys, so that they could not grow up to become an army that would fight against him. And in the process, Moses winds up, by God's providential dealing, as you know, he winds up uh, being raised in Pharaoh's court because uh, Pharaoh's daughter had compassion upon him when his mom sent him off in the river in a basket. And he gets raised there. Eventually, he needs to flee because he had killed an Egyptian, winds up on the backside of the desert in Midian. And, and about 40 years of age, he uh, sees a bush burning. And God, that God gets his attention because the bush is not being consumed. It's just on fire. God 
addresses him there and tells him, you are to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And there God introduces himself when, when uh, Moses says, well, when I tell our people and I tell the Israelites that, hey, God came to me and God said, we're supposed to go worship him in the wilderness, they're going to say, who is this God? What's his name? And one of the most poignant, dramatic, significant statements in all in such a short, short piece of writing comes forth when God says and identifies himself as I am. Say that I am has sent you. And that there is so much meaning, but what we know immediately is he is the one who is self-existent. He is the one who is the only true God. And they've been living in the context of being exposed to these multiple pagan gods among the Egyptians. And he says, I am the one true self-existent one. And so he goes. And he tells the, the people, and the leaders are like, woohoo, we're finally getting out of here because this hasn't been fun being enslaved and, and building cities for Pharaoh, and we're glad to be going. And so he's got them uh, with buy-in, and then he goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, by the way, all right, uh, a little change in plans here, Pharaoh. Uh, my God has said that we're supposed to take his people, and we're supposed to go out in the wilderness, and we're going to sacrifice to him. And Pharaoh isn't real pleased with this because as far as Pharaoh's concerned, those aren't God's people. Those are his people. They are his slaves. They are his workforce. And so he decides that, you know, the problem is these people want to go out and they want to work or, or worship rather out in the desert. They got a lot of extra time on their hands. He calls them idle. He says, you're idle. You, you've got too much or too little to do. So he places it upon them that they are to now make as much brick as they ever had to make, but now they're going to make it without straw. they got to go find their own straw and yet keep their coat up. And whew, now it's a good problem. And the leaders come to him, the, Jew, the, the leaders of the Hebrews, they come to him and say, hey, wait, we can't do this. This isn't working. And in chapter 5, verse 17, this is his response because Moses said he wanted to take them away to, uh, to worship in the wilderness. Here's what we read, beginning in verse 17. But he said, this is Pharaoh, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then, as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. They knew things were not going to get better for them. They were going to get worse. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, neither... Have you delivered your people at all? And, and Moses shares in their, in their concern and in their pain that things got a lot worse. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. 
but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of, the land of their pilgrimage, in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for the, king, for the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Friends, as we listen, watch their situation, there's something very quickly that comes to mind, and we, many of us, are feeling it. Even when we are trusting God to come through, things may go from bad to worse. I just, 40 minutes before this message, uh, reviewed the text email to make sure I had the details correct that came from Lori about the people in, in India. And that's exactly what she said. Hey, they really need prayer. Things have gone from bad to worse. And these people are, are righteous servants of God seeking to bring the gospel to these children. When things go from bad to worse, when we are trusting God, they often take our attitudes and our hope with it. Notice what it said about the, uh, about the leaders. They did not heed Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Their situation had gotten so bad, they didn't want to hear any wonderful promises from this God called I Am. They didn't want to hear anything more from Moses because as far as they knew, things had become, they weren't good before, now they've become completely unbearable, actually impossible for them to pull off what needs to be happening. You ever been there, friends? Have you ever been angry, frustrated, disappointed with God, waiting for him to come through? Come on, Lord, I prayed, I trusted you. What's up? You got to come through for me on this one. Well, join the human race. Most of us have probably been there, and we've been tempted to say, give it up. <laughs> this whole God thing isn't working. This whole walking with Jesus thing is not worth it. But if we're wise, we hang on in these circumstances, because it is in these circumstances we learn not only that God's work is redemptive, as last week we saw through what Joseph said, that, that God was preserving life. 
but it is also revelatory in that he is teaching us about himself. God revealed a number of things to his people. We'll just, we'll just touch on a couple. First, he revealed his name, the one as I am. And he said, they haven't known me, with, known me by this name before, but they will now, and they're going to understand what that means. And that could merit five messages just on his name to break that down. But now they were going to see him in a different way. And they were going to be able, with that, to recognize that all these pagan deities that they've been exposed to among Egypt amount to nothing. Because the one who is I am has now entered into their experience. They were going to see, we see in chapter 6, verse 7, that his watch care, his love, his oversight, his faithfulness, and his desire to bring them into relationship we're all now going to be part of this dynamic. They had heard through their, uh, through their ancestors and through their parents this story of a promise to Abraham, a promise to Isaac, a promise to Jacob. They had heard the story of Joseph, but that was centuries ago. And all they know is, hey, they are in, they're in bondage. They're slaves for Pharaoh. A lot of good those stories do, but now they're going to find out that this God who seemed far off now is going to bring them into covenantal relationship with him, and he's going to demonstrate his love and his care, his faithfulness, his oversight. And God is going to reveal to them that it is his power that worked on their behalf when they were helpless. He heard their cry when they could not by themselves get out from under the heavy hand of Pharaoh, he heard their cry and he came and he was going to respond to their needs. So he revealed this to his people, the Israelites. But also, the text goes on to tell us that God revealed things to the Egyptians. So the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you, this is chapter 7, verse 1, See, I have made you as a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. He's going to do it right there in their midst. But Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. Going to make it clear who these people belong to. Verse 5, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. So here's what the Egyptians are about to learn. That this one whom Moses is saying they need to go into the wilderness to worship, that he alone is God that this multiplicity of gods that they worship amount to nothing. In fact, the reality is, is every plague, and you know the story, there'll be ten plagues that are brought. Every plague that is brought is confronting one of the pagan deities of the Egyptians. And one by one, he shows his power over these deities that they claimed to be their own. Why ten plagues? Why does he push so hard on, uh, upon the nation? Well, I think, I think it's just as simple. They had to get past their stuff 
so they knew it was his stuff. They had to get past their stuff, so they knew it was his stuff. And here's what I mean by that. At the outset, when he first comes and, and Aaron and Moses are able to make their rod, they throw it on the ground, it becomes a serpent. Well, the magicians of Pharaoh were able to do a similar thing, I assume, by satanic power. And so they were able to mimic some of those early, uh, those old early miracles and signs that God did on their behalf. And so they had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until eventually, around about sign seven or eight, they're like, hey, we've had enough. We cannot do what they're doing. And it pushed them past any of their dark arts and their ability to, uh, to accomplish things that they could say, well, I, you know, I can do what you can do. And then with that, once they've been pushed past that, once they understand that he alone is God, then it places them in the position where repentance is in order. They're going to have to decide what do they do with the fact that they have had within their land an incredible demonstration as to the power of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who now has called Moses to lead them out into the wilderness. And they have, they have a decision to be made. So he's teaching the Egyptians also. Friends, uh, we had two weeks where the governor said, hey, let's kind of see if we can slow this thing down. And I was really hoping two weeks would be enough. Let's get back to the routine of life. Because what? As you know, it went from bad to worse, to quote Lori in her text message. We don't know how bad it's going to get, do we? We really don't know. But here's what we do know. God's work of redemption is continuing. Christ is building his church and not needing to wait for this thing to end. God's work of revelation is continuing as he is able to reveal himself through difficult times. And here's what we read in the book of Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This is what's going to go forth and build the church. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Those who respond to this message are going to be coming to understand God's righteousness in all of its perfection and how it ministers into their lives as he, by his grace, reaches down and saves us, undeserving, unable to do anything for ourselves. But as we experience this and we learn more and more how broken we are, how sinful we are, how hopeless we are, as that becomes more and more internalized to us, by the reality of our circumstances, God becomes greater and greater and greater. And we begin to see him as the great I am and the only one able to help us. So that's revealed in the gospel. But just as God's people Israel were to learn something, so were the Egyptians. And God has something to say to those who refuse the gospel in this day and age. For Paul goes on to say, for the wrath of God, first the righteousness of God, now the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. 
And when that reality of who God is becomes real to us, we're left with a decision like the Egyptians. The decision is one of repentance. Are we willing to yield ourselves to the fact that there is only one I am? And he calls us through the blood of Jesus Christ to become his children. But it will take our acknowledging that we're not God. We're not able to save ourselves. We need his help. So friends, today, God's reaching out to you. God wants to speak something into your heart. He either wants to reveal the righteousness, his righteousness to you in a deeper relationship and deeper love if you know him personally through Jesus Christ, or he wants you to be aware that if you ignore that righteousness, one day, just as he brought judgment upon the Egyptians, he's going to bring judgment upon the entire world. And then you'll know his wrath instead of his righteousness. Oh, my friends, I plead with you. I plead with you. Let his righteousness be what instructs you, instructs you in this day. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that as you were working with Moses, you worked with the people of Israel thousands of years ago, Lord. You have not quit working. And today, by your promise, you continue to build your church. You continue to instruct us, Lord. You continue to reveal to us, if we will receive it, your righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. But you will also reveal your wrath if we reject it, Lord. So I pray anybody hearing this, Lord, that we will be clear indeed of our need for Christ and we will repent and respond to him, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.